On the resurrection morning when all the dead in Christ shall rise, I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Raised in power, ready to live in paradise. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory. With the redeemed, no understand. No more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my Savior, ready to live in glory land. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Youthful and happy I shall be I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Glorified with Him forever Death will be lost in victory I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the redeemed Never said no more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my Savior, ready to live. I'll be glad. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Eternal life. Oh, hallelujah, morning when the last trump of God shall sound. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, eternal grains, all bursting saints are shouting heavenly beauty all around. I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, oh yes, I'll have a new home, glory, glory, glory. with a reading, no doctor stand. No more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my likeness. Ready to live, I'll be glad. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. Welcome to the Passion for Christ show. So glad to have you, friend. I'm your host, Bruce Kessler, and I want to just thank you for being and joining me today. I just want to let you know that I'm a follower, the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ, because you see in him and him alone, I found peace, joy, happiness. I am absolutely blessed beyond measure, more than I could ever deserve. My goal here is very simple, friend, that is to encourage you along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study segment, we're going to conclude our study on uh, Revelation chapter 3, the church of Laodicea, lukewarm, the conclusion to lukewarmness. But before we get there, a few things along the way, and the first is headline news. <laughs> Get this, folks. This is going to make you a little frustrated. Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti 
on Wednesday said he is authorizing the Department of Water and Power to shut off utilities at houses, businesses, and large gatherings within 48 hours that are violating health orders related to COVID-19. Although churches weren't specifically mentioned, the term large gathering has been used by the city to include houses of worship. Tonight, he said, I'm authorizing the city to shut off Los Angeles Department of Water and Power Service in the egregious cases in which houses and other venues are hosting unpermitted large gatherings. The mayor said the order focuses on people determined to break the rules, posing significant public dangers and a threat to all of us. Attorney and Liberty Council founder Matt Staver on Friday said Christians in California now have a choice, serve the Lord or have their basic utilities cut off. Did you ever dream that Americans would have their water and power cut off if they dared worship God? There you go, folks. Los Angeles mayor threatens to shut off electricity and water to churches that meet. Mm, 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 folks, how disturbing is that? Well, if that doesn't get your dander all excited and an uproar, this one will, folks. This is unbelievable. A family in Great Britain is taking legal action after police dragged a grieving father from the hospital bedside of his critically ill six-year-old daughter who later died. Can you believe that, folks? The police were acting on behalf of doctors who had ordered the girl to be taken off a ventilator and for treatments to be stopped. The girl had been born with a rare condition that leads to loss of function of nerves the brain and other organs, she had also contracted the swine flu. But both her parents are doctors and objected to the doctor's decision to pull the two. A shocking and now viral video shows several police pulling the father, Rashad Abbasi, out of the hospital room. The video is from the police body camera footage. Abbasi and his wife say the doctors did not give their daughter the correct treatments. They never listened to us. They would never provide explanations for their actions. And because of his medical background, he was able to ask leading questions that frustrated the doctors. The video shows the father sitting on the bedside while the mother explains the situation. We have just been told about half an hour ago that they were going to take the tube out and our daughter is going to die. The father said, I don't want to leave my daughter. My daughter is dying. The footage then shows police pulling the father from the room, dragging him by his arms. He later suffered a heart attack during the encounter, but survived. Any parent, said Andrea Williams, Indeed, anyone who has ever lost a loved one will be deeply moved and appalled by this story. You would not find a more caring and loving parents. The family 
in their grief have the whole legal machinery to tumble down on top of them. No one advocating for them during their most harrowing life experience anyone could ever imagine. We are living in a culture of death. When our society and frontline services unilaterally decide that death is in the child's best interest, and the parents are left powerless in the place of the system, it has to be exposed. There you go, folks. Isn't that something? My daughter is dying. Police arrest father for refusing to leave sick child's bedside. Folks, that's just disturbing on all kinds of different ways. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Well, get this. This is a, a positive way to end our headline news. Listen to this. Nearly half of Americans pray at least once a day and three quarters do so at least once a month with most prayers focusing on their family and their country, according to the new survey. The poll found that 45% of adults in the U.S. say they pray at least once a day. An additional 14% pray several times a week and 7% about once a week. All total, 66% of Americans pray at least once a week and 76% at least once a month. James Bolthouse said that uh, Americans pray. That's a good thing. How much they understand about communicating with God and how they approach him and what they expect from it was absolutely surprising. Among those who pray at least once a month, six topics were regularly the focus of their prayers. People in their lives. The country, those who are in the military, people serving in government positions, the president, and people in whom you disagree with. Meanwhile, most Americans who pray view it as a tool central to their faith. Among those who pray at least once a month, 64% say they view prayer as a way of communicating with God. 70 or 57% say prayer is central to their relationship with God. A full 57% of those who pray at least once a month say prayer is a way of worshiping God. 55% say it helps them cope with situations. 53% say it gives them hope. And 47% say it reduces their concern and anxiety. Well, folks, that's a great thing. Two-thirds in the U.S. pray at least weekly, and only 15% never pray. Poll shows. Folks, prayer. Is powerful and it accomplishes so many great things. Pray every day, morning and evening, night and day. Pray without ceasing. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. And that's our headline news. And now, this day in church history. In 1805, the First African Baptist Church of Boston is organized with 20 members. In 1900, death in Portland, Maine of Cyrus Hamlin, who had been a missionary to Turkey and founded Roberts College. 1909 A.D., death of Mary MacKillop. Australian nun, co-founder of the Sisters of St. Joseph's of the Sacred Heart, 
She will be named a saint by the Roman Catholic Church, Australia's first. And finally, on this day in church history, in 1929, death in Medford, Massachusetts, of Catholic lay worker and evangelist Martha Gallison Moore Avery. And that's this day in church history. And now, folks, we have a little bit of fun. And name that Bible character. Here is your clue. Aaron was told to take two young goats and sacrifice one as a sin offering. I am the place where he sent the other one. What place am I? Here's your clue one more time. Aaron was told to take two young goats and sacrifice one as a sin offering. I am the place where he sent the other one. What place am I? We reveal the final answer to that tantalizing clue following the study segment, folks. So stay tuned for that exciting reveal in our final segment of Name That Bible Character. And now, folks, we have... Study time, so get your cup of coffee. I have mine right here. And grab up a chair and open up your Bible as we continue with the conclusion to lukewarmness in Revelations chapter 3. And let's just remind ourselves where we were. You remember that Jesus had some things to say. He was very pointed to the church of Laodicea. And he said there were some problems, and he, he, he couched their problems by the word lukewarm. And he compared that with being either cold or hot. He said, I would that you would be cold or hot. But the one thing he could not stand and would not stand, and basically said, I will expel you out of my mouth. You will lose all of my blessings Basically, he says, you're lukewarm. You're riding in the fence. It's a picture of uselessness. No real, genuine purpose. Uh, nothing is really accomplished in that kind of lifestyle. And that's why he was talking, remembered, to the church. Kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit, doesn't it? Well, that's the way it is with us. Scratching our heads a little bit. I'm sure Jesus is scratching his head. Wondering what in the world are we doing? So Jesus says, I would that you be cold. You know, cold water refreshes. Hot water heals and purifies. Jesus says, either one of those would be great. The one thing he could not stand is lukewarmness because that invites more sickness. It's a sickness. Jesus accuses them of being lukewarm of all things. And worse, they had no idea of their condition. What a terrible, terrible spot. You, friend, you might just be blowing along in life and not realizing that you are spiritually destitute. And that's what Jesus then, he does next, is he has a few things against them. He defines their sickness. And their sickness 
began with the attitude of, I have need of nothing. They're rich. They're wealthy. Their needs are being met by other worldly things. What about your needs, friend? Are they being met by other things? Maybe you don't really know that you're placing your trust in the wrong things in life. Amen? Jesus said, don't you know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind? All those things would be terrible things to be accused of, being wretched, awful, disgusting, miserable, poor, blind. Walking around, we don't feel like we're blind. We're seeing everything we need to see and doing what we want to do. But we are spiritually blind. Not up on the fact that we are ugly in the sight of Jesus because of our sin. And then he said, don't you know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? You're running around in your nakedness, no fear whatsoever, totally humiliated in front of God, but not ever knowing it. Streaking. Spiritual streaking. And not even knowing it. What a terrible, terrible, terrible place to be. You see, the Laodiceans were famous for their wealth and famous for their fine clothing. Famous for all sorts of things. But the church was more famous than they were. Spiritual disconnect. Spiritual nakedness. So what did Jesus ask them to do? Jesus said, I counsel you. It's a good thing that we have the great physician who is also a counselor. Amen. One that we can depend on and know that his intent is true. Because he loves us. He gave his life for us. That's how we know that he can be trusted. And he never once lied. Amen. You must, he says, understand your spiritual condition, your spiritual poverty. You won't be able to see this if you continue to believe that your needs are being met by other things. Jesus says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire. What is that gold? That gold is grace, mercy, redemption. But that gold is also humbleness and obedience. Removing self and allowing Jesus to be king. And Jesus says, be zealous and repent. Don't wait. Don't hold back. And then in verse 20, I want to read this to you. What a beautiful passage to end with. He says here, behold, all the things that he just got through saying to the Laodicean, the church there. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Just grasp that for a moment. He's speaking to the church, speaking to the congregation. Jesus is on the outside. 
He should be the center of life at the church. And yet, he is on the outside knocking, trying to get your and I's attention as a congregation. Is Jesus the center of everything that we're about? He should be and he better be. But the verse 20 says very simple. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, get that for a moment. Anyone, doesn't matter who it is, rich, poor, different, it, it doesn't matter your skin color, it doesn't matter who you are or the condition of your life, anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. Oh man, isn't that just powerful? Jesus preached the gospel message here to the Laodiceans. And now it continues with the fact that he is knocking, knocking at the heart, knocking on that door. That door is the door of forgiveness and repentance. It can only happen if we respond. The promise of coming in and eating and supping with Jesus Christ, inviting Him in the being the center of a great relationship, personal and private conversation we can have with Jesus. Man, that's what He wants to do. You know, Jesus has every right to kick down the door. But you know He doesn't. Because he's trying to reach and gain cooperation with your heart. Not beat it into submission. Not beat it and force us to anything. And it says Jesus stands at the door. He's been knocking for so long. What long suffering and love. The key here is hearing his Voice. You're not going to just sit around and all of a sudden just open up your door at 2 o'clock in the morning. You're not going to just sit around and just get this out of, hey, I'm just going to knock, I'm just going to open the door because somebody's there and you didn't hear any knocking. How, how does that work? The only way it works if you truly hear the call of Jesus. And that's what he stands ready to do. He says, I will. If What a beautiful promise by Jesus. If you hear my voice and if you take action, take that necessary step of opening up your heart through repentance, that door opens up. And Jesus Christ says, I will come to you. I will sup with you, feast with you. And that's a wonderful place opening up the door for Jesus and all gathering around the table for a fantastic feast. My, oh my, folks, what a powerful message that Jesus had written to the church at Laodicea. I pray 
that we're either cold or hot and not be considered lukewarm. Mm, 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 folks. And now we have the final conclusion to name that Bible character. Here was your clue. Aaron was told to take two young goats and sacrifice the one as a sin offering. I'm the place where he sent the other one. What place am I? The wilderness. That's right, folks. Leviticus 16, 9 and 11. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. There you go, folks. Aaron was told to take two young goats and sacrifice one as a sin offering. I am the place where he sent the other one. What place am I? The wilderness. And name that Bible character. Well, folks, you too can become a follower of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ by turning to him, giving your life over, submitting to baptism, confessing him as your Lord and Savior, and you'll find peace, forgiveness, joy, happiness. Blessings beyond measure, more than you could ever deserve. My goal here has been very simple. That is to encourage you, friends, along the way to help you find your passion in Jesus Christ. Visit our website, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com. Just want to tell you, thank you for being with me today in this broadcast. May God bless you. The Lord reigns, He is a mighty God, the Lord God reigns. The Lord reigns, He is a mighty God, the Lord God reigns. Hey! Great is the Lord Almighty, He is Lord, He's God indeed. Great is the Lord Almighty, He is God supreme. Great is the Lord Almighty, He is Lord, He's God indeed. Great is the Lord. God, the Lord God reigns. The Lord reigns. He is a mighty God, the Lord.